0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the God who created all things, as we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 4. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: So when you say, God, a person may think of this road, And so he said that we must start defining and saying the God who created the heavens and the earth. Now they are defining the God because there were many gods that were worshipped around them. Baal was worshipped and Molech was worshipped and and Mammon and, and so many various gods were worshipped by the people around them. That as they begin their worship of God They make really a definition and a distinction of the God That they are worshiping Bless Jehovah your God forever and ever Blessed be thy glorious name Which is exalted above all blessing and praise For even thou, O Yahweh or Jehovah alone Hast made the heaven and the heaven of heavens The whole universe with all of the host And the earth and all of the things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. Now they've been reading the law of Moses, and they were been reading Genesis in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, been reading the first few chapters of Genesis. And so they acknowledge that God was the one who has created, even as is declared in Genesis, this whole universe and all that is in it. Now it is interesting, in the New Testament, the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, when the apostles were responding to the prohibition that was laid upon them by the religious leaders not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus, Peter and John uh, uh, gathered with the disciples and they told them the experience they had before the Sanhedrin. And they prayed, and when they started to pray, they said, O Lord, thou art God. Thou hast created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them. Probably remembering the prayer offered here in Nehemiah uh, where much the same thing is said. Thou art the God who has created the heavens and all the hosts, the earth and all the things that are in the sea that all the things that are in. And you preserve them all. And the host of heaven worshipeth thee. So the host of heaven would be a reference to the angels who worship God. So when he said he created all the hosts of heaven, it would be he has created all of the angels and they do worship him. Thou art Yahweh the God who did choose Abram and brought him forth out of the earth, the Chaldees. You gave him the name of Abraham and you found his heart faithful before thee and you made a covenant to give him the land of the Canaanites. The Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites, and so forth. And you have performed your words, for you are righteous. Acknowledging that God made the promise to Abraham, God fulfilled the promise to Abraham. Here we are, we're in the land, for God, you are righteous. And you did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt You heard their cry by the Red Sea You showed your signs and wonders upon the Pharaoh And so they're just sort of rehearsing their history They have been reading this history They have been listening to it They've been reading the law of the Lord From morning till noon And so these are the things that they were reading In the first five books you did divide the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land and their persecutors you threw into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. That sort of puts down the little theory that it was the sea of reeds and it was only, you know, 18 inches deep. Figures don't lie, but liars sure can figure. Figure. Moreover, thou lettest them in the day by the cloudy pillar and at night by the pillar of fire to give them light in the way wherein they should go. And you came down also upon Mount Sinai and you spoke with them from heaven and gave them right judgments, true laws, good statutes and commandments. So notice, he gave to them right judgments, true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known unto them your holy Sabbath, And you commanded them the precepts and the statutes and the laws by the hand of Moses. You gave them bread from heaven, the manna in the wilderness for their hunger. And you brought them water out of the rock for their thirst. And you promised that they should go in and possess the land that you had sworn to give to them. But they and our fathers dealt proudly. Now here's the acknowledgement. God, you were faithful. God, you kept your word. But our fathers, they failed. Always the failure is on our part. So many times we're wanting to blame God. God is righteous. God is faithful. God will keep his word. We're the ones that have failed, never God. The failure is always on our part. But our fathers dealt proudly. They hardened their necks. They didn't hearken to your commandments. They refused to obey. Neither were they mindful of the wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks and their in their rebellion, they ask for a captain to return them to their bondage. But you are a God who is ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and you forsook them not. Isn't that beautiful? They say, oh, I don't believe in the God of the Old Testament. You know, he's a God of wrath and judgment and vengeance. I love the God of the New Testament, you know. Believe in the God of the New Testament. As though there were two gods revealed in the Scriptures, Never. One God And he's revealed in the Old Testament right here As gracious Ready to pardon Merciful Slow to anger Great kindness And he forsook them not That sounds like it would come from the pen of Paul As he's talking about the grace of God In the New Testament Oh how gracious is God How merciful is God! How understanding! How pardoning! When they made the molten calf, and they said, This is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Now again, they point out, God is faithful. Even when they were not, God was still faithful. And they went ahead and made this golden calf. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them day to day that it might lead them in the way. Neither the pillar of fire night and night to show them the light and the way wherein they should go. But you gave also thy good spirit to instruct them. Oh, how good is God to us even though we often fail, even though we often are hardening our hearts Yet the faithfulness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and the patience of God with which He deals with our lives. He won't forsake them, He won't forsake His people. Though they had turned their backs and forsaken Him, still He is faithful, He will not forsake them. How glorious is our God. And then giving His good spirit to instruct them And you didn't withhold the manna from their mouth or the water for their thirst. And for 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not get old and their feet did not swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into the corners that possessed the land of uh, Sihon and Og. And their children also multiplied as the stars of the heaven and you brought them into the land concerning which you had promised to their fathers that they should go in and possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land and you subdued the inhabitants of the lands before them. And they took the strong cities and the fat of the lamb, and they possessed the houses that were full of goods, wells that were already digged, vineyards and oliveyards that were already planted, fruit trees in abundance. So that they, d- they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient. Notice how they are acknowledging always the righteousness of God and the failure of the people, and so important that we do this. God, you were righteous. You were fair. We were the ones who failed. We were the ones who turned our backs. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee. They cast thy law behind their backs. They killed the prophets that testified against them to turn them back to you. And they wrought great provocations. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of your enemies who vexed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried unto you, you heard them from heaven. And according to your manifold mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, They did evil again before thee Therefore you left them in the hand of their enemies So that they had dominion over them Yet when they returned and cried unto you You heard them from heaven And many times did you deliver them according to your mercies What an accurate picture of the history of the nation of Israel And you testified against them That you might bring them again unto the law. Yet they dealt proudly and did not hearken to your commandments, but they sinned against your judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them, and withdrew their shoulder and hardened their neck and would not hear. And yet many years did you forbear them and testified against them by that spirit in your prophets, yet Would they not give ear? Therefore you gave them into the hand of the people of the lands. Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake you did not utterly consume them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Oh, that is so powerful. I love that. Now therefore our God, the great and mighty, the awesome God who keeps the covenant and mercy, let not all the trouble seem little before thee that has come upon us and on our kings and our princes and priests and prophets and fathers. And upon all the people since the time of the kings of the Assyria unto this day, Howbeit, you are just in all that you brought upon us for you have done right, we have done wickedly. What an important acknowledgement to make. God, you are just in all your ways. There are people today who are constantly challenging the justice of God. Well, how can God, a God of love, allow this? Or how can a God of love do that? Or how can a God of love, you know, send a man to hell? And, And all of the challenges of the justice of God. But let me tell you this. God is absolutely fair, and God is absolutely just. Oh, but what about that poor African who has never heard of Jesus Christ? And he dies without ever knowing what's going to happen to him God is going to be absolutely just and absolutely fair You better not worry about him You better about worry about yourself You have heard You're the one you better be concerned about Because you know God will be fair with him if he doesn't know God will also be fair with you because you do know He's righteous Oh God, thou art a righteous God You're just in all that you've done, for you have done right, we are the ones that have done wickedly. And neither have our kings or our princes or our priests or our fathers kept your law, nor hearkened unto your commandments. And your testimonies were with you did testify against them. For they have not served thee in their kingdom and in their in thy great goodness that you gave to them, and in the large and fat lamb which you gave before them, neither turned they from their wicked works. Behold, we are servants this day for the land that you gave unto our fathers to eat the fruit thereof and the good thereof. Behold, we are servants in it, and it yieldeth much increase unto the kings whom thou hast set over us because of our sin. Also they have dominion over our bodies and over our cattle, and at their pleasure... And we are in great distress. And because of all of this, we make a sure covenant and write it and our princes and Levites and priests seal to it. Okay, here's the whole picture. God, you were fair. You were honest. You were right. But we're having a horrible time. You know, we are servants in this land. The kings are ruling over us. And though the land is producing, they're exacting taxes that are ruining us. Now, God, we want to renew a covenant with you. We want to get right with you. Important step We want to make a covenant We want to sign to the covenant Lord we want to put our X I'm going to walk in a covenant Want to renew the covenant of God Marvelous, marvelous Idea And purpose So These are the guys Who signed the covenant Now these words were sealed people signed the covenant, starting with Nehemiah, the governor. And it gives the names of the leaders who signed the covenant. And the rest of the people, verse 28, the priests, the Levites, the porters, the singers, the Nethanims, and all they that separate themselves from the people of the lands under the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, everyone having knowledge and having understanding, they clave to their brethren, their nobles, and they entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe all the commandments of the Lord our God and his judgments and statutes. So this is the covenant they made. And they, they by a curse, you know, curse be the man that, you know, fails to do it and all. And they, yes, will do it when they bound their hearts together and, and in a determination, we're going to serve God. We're going to follow him. We're going to keep his commandments that we've read in his law. We will not give our daughters to the people of the land nor will we take their daughters for our sons. And if the people of the land bring any of their merchandise or food on the Sabbath day to sell it to us, we will not buy it from them on the Sabbath day or on the holy days that we would leave the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. So they'll keep the Sabbath year law. In that they will forgive every debt in the seventh year as was commanded in the law of Moses. And also that they'll allow the land to just not be planted or cultivated in the seventh year. Give the land its rest. Actually, you remember they were 70 years in captivity in Babylon that the land might have its rest for they have been in the land for 490 years and they did not keep the seventh year Sabbath for the land. So God said, I'm going to give the land the Sabbath that you didn't give it. I'll keep you out of it for 70 years so that the land will have its 70 Sabbaths that it's missed. Now they said, we'll keep it. (laughs) And the exaction of every debt. We also made ordinances for us to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel to the service of the house of God. So we'll all give this money that the house of God might be maintained, that they might have the showbread, the meal offerings, continual burnt offerings and all of the Sabbath offerings, new moons and set feasts and so forth. And so we all covenant, we know we're going to support the house of God and the worship in the house of God. And we will bring the first fruits of our ground, the first fruits of the fruit of all of our trees, year by year to the house of the Lord. Also the firstborn of our sons, our cattle, as it is written in the law, the first things of the herds, the flocks, to bring to the house of God and the priests that minister in the house of our God. That we should bring the first fruits of our dough, and now that's not your money, but your uh, bread dough that they made, and the offerings, and the fruit of all manner of trees, and of wine and of oil, unto the priests the chambers of the house of our God and the tithes of the ground unto the Levites, that the Levites might have tithes in the cities of all of our tillage. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites, and when the Levites take the tithes, the Levites shall bring up the tithe. And so it was just a commitment. Lord, we're gonna follow you. We're gonna keep your law. We're gonna keep all of your commandments and statutes. We're gonna keep the Sabbath day law. We're not gonna buy on the Sabbath day. Uh, We're gonna keep the seventh year. We're gonna start keeping up the house of God and the worship and so forth. I mean, it was the it was heart of the people to covenant, Lord, we're going to be your people again. We're going to serve you. And the rulers of the people, chapter 11, dwelt at Jerusalem, and the rest of the people also cast slots that one in ten might dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts dwelt in all the other cities. So when they came back, they actually inhabited quite a bit of the territory down towards Hebron, Beersheba, on up to Ramallah, Bethel, and, and all quite a bit of territory. There was only about 50,000 of them. And so they decided that one in ten, which means about 5,000, would dwell in Jerusalem. They wanted to maintain the capital city so they'd have a place of worship and all. And the rest of the people, of course, Jerusalem isn't that uh, good a farm territory. There's much better farming uh, down in some of the valleys around Jerusalem. Uh, than there is in Jerusalem itself, down in towards Hebron, the Eshkol Valley and all, much better farming, even down towards Bethlehem and the valleys down through there. So one in 10 would, and so they cast lots to find out which ones would stay in Jerusalem and the rest would move into the surrounding territories and live in the surrounding territories. And so we have the names of the families upon whom the lots were drawn, who should dwell in Jerusalem. And then beginning with, Verse 20, the names of the families that were to dwell in the other cities round about and uh, some of the cities and the villages where they were to dwell. In chapter 12, now these are the priests and the Levites and so it gives the names of those priests and Levites that were serving at the time and it gives their genealogy in verses 10 to 21 and then it tells the chief. Of the Levites, the priest So when we get to verse 27 of chapter 12 And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem They sought the Levites out of all of the places To bring them to Jerusalem To keep the dedication with gladness Both with thanksgiving, with singing With cymbals and psalteries and with harps And so the time of the dedication of the wall Was to be a time of great festivities A lot of singing, a lot of music, a lot of just excitement and worship as they were dedicating the wall. So gathering, uh, the Levites were most of them the musicians among the people, so to gather them together. And the sons of the singers, they gathered themselves together, both out of the plain country and around about Jerusalem, from the villages and also from the house of Gilgal and the fields of Geba and so forth. And from all over, the people gathered. And then he said, I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall And I appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks, whereof one went on the right hand of the wall towards the dung gate and uh, those that went down in that direction. And also, verse 43, that day they offered great sacrifices. They rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy.
0: Return with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of Nehemiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Nehemiah 9 through 12 when visiting the org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ through the week. May you be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner man. And may you comprehend more and more what is the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of God's great love for you. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
2: God is looking for someone that He can use to accomplish His purposes on this earth. The apostles were more than willing to be used by the Lord. So what was it that gave them the certain spiritual characteristics necessary to be used by God and to be a powerful, godly influence to change the world? Well, in a book entitled The Man God Uses, Pastor Chuck Smith brings the scriptures to life as he examines the book of Acts. He reveals the secret to the apostles' boldness, the five essential components of prayer, and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever wanted to accomplish more for the kingdom of God and to be an instrument that he can use, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Man God Uses. To order a copy of this book in print or download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.